Psalm 46. God, you're our refuge and our strength. You're an ever-present help in trouble. So we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So Lord, we, we are grateful that you choose lovingly and willingly to call us your own. You choose lovingly and willingly to be our fortress and our strength. And so our hope is in you. Our hope is in you. Our source, you are our source. And so I ask, Lord, again, make this real for us in this moment in time. A river that makes glad this city. A river that will make glad your people. A river that will bring healing, will bring fruitfulness, will bring joy and restoration. And let it flow from here to the nations, from here to everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, Trinity. Well, good to see you all. Uh, one, of, one of my new friends now says, good to be seen. Um, <laughs> well, uh, so uh, if this is your first time here, my name is Edgar King. I am the lead pastor. It's such a joy. Uh, to, to share this with you. It's such a joy to be part of what God is doing with us as a community and with you as an individual. So thank you so much for coming. Uh, I'm going to be joined up on stage with two, some of my two friends, uh, Sean and Meredith. Please give them a round of applause even before they do anything. <laughs> well, now there's a down payment. Y'all better perform. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. Yeah. So... Um, again, so today we, we are furthering the conversation we've been having around healing. Now, let me just bring you all up to speed. I, I recognize that some of us have just joined us today. Some of you have missed a few, so you've forgotten. I encourage you, you could find all these conversations um, on our podcast, just at Vineyard Nakuru, just on any platform. But uh, one of the things I've been inviting us to is, one, to recognize that healing is, is part of the wholeness that God is inviting us to. Jesus, whatever the kingdom of God is in Jesus' view, whatever God, Jesus is inviting us to is something whole. It's not just forgiveness of sin, but it's also everything else that is out of joint being made right whether it's relational, spiritual, uh, psychological, or even physical. 
And, and so, um, and we asked the question, does God heal today? And my, my, my invitation was, yes, he does, because he hasn't changed. His compassion, who he is, he healed because of compassion, uh, uh, tearing down the works of the enemy, that has not changed. The thing we need to be aware of is that now we are the hands and the feet of Jesus. Will we move towards the weak, the weary, the, the downtrodden, the, the sick, and, and the dying, and, and, um, and, and lay our hands on them and show Jesus' compassion and continue to go uh, up against um, the works of the enemy? And, and then I invited all of us that you should lay your hands on the sick and pray for them. It's not set aside for a chosen few. You are the chosen. You should lay your hands on the sick. One, for us to get to that point, one, Jesus expects us to. He, he did it, modeled it to his, his disciples, then picked uh, the first 12, sent them out, told them to go do it. Then picked the 72, sent them out, told them to go do it. Then there was 120 in the upper room who received the Holy Spirit. And then it's now all of us. Whoever believes in me will do more than I have done. That's what he said. It's your job. It's my job. Praying for the sick is Tuesday morning for believers. Then the other thing, for us to get to that place, I invite you to, to again, surrender the idea of what the results should be like. That's on him. Ours is, a, is about obedience, and it is actually tied to our discipleship. And there's so much that happens when we obey, not only inside us, but around us. This is spiritual warfare. We're joining Jesus in destroying the works of the enemy. We're joining in the mission of God. We're joining God in, in, in bringing his compassion to every, uh, every inch of the world. This is why you should lay your hands on the sick uh, and pray for them. And then, of course, we, we, we said, hey, but let's, let's not... Let's not just think, oh, once I receive healing, that's it. There's, a, there's always a journey uh, which often takes place in community. Whether it happens instantly, over time, uh, uh, or, uh, or sometimes not in the way we expect or never, until kingdom come, uh, uh, there's always place for community because healing happens in community. And so last Sunday, we started talking about how do we actually do that? So today, as, as uh, Liz said, we will uh, uh, be modeling how to, to, to pray for people. It goes beyond praying for the sick. So if you're interested in, in being bold enough to say, I will obey, one, remember what I said last Sunday, let us be a community that will pray as you can. Pray as you can. There isn't a should way. Pray as you can. But if you'd like to be equipped to do it more sensitive, uh, with a lot more sensitivity to the person you're praying for and to the Holy Spirit, would love to equip you. So the only correction I want to make, we're not doing it at 2.30. It'll be so hot and, and most of you will be at home. So right after this celebration, if you'd like to, uh, to participate in the prayer training, please remain behind. We have lunch provided. Uh, so please remain behind. Uh, we'll, we'll, have, uh, we'll go back to, we'll practice what we've been talking about. We'll practice what we preach. And then again, just uh, send us out to go and do the same. Well, 
So obviously, one of the questions that uh, have been have been coming up, and just both in in my talks and with people as we have conversations, is well, why didn't healing happen for me? Why didn't I receive healing? And I, I kept promising, you know, we'll be bold enough to talk about that. We'll not run away from it. And so we want to delve into a bit of that. And I will have the help of Sean and Meredith today. Uh, so why don't you guys just introduce yourselves and then we'll, we'll go on from here. Oh, works better when it's on. Oh, okay. Hello? Okay, here we go. <laughs> Usually it's just all set up and I go. <laughs> um, I'm Meredith, and this is my husband, Sean, and we have an awesome now nine-year-old son, Isaiah, who's in the audience here. <laughs> uh, I love you. <laughs> um, and we've been in Kenya for 18 years now, um, a year in, just over a year in Nakuru. And so this is our home church, and this is our village and our family, and we're just so thankful for the friendships and the connections that we've made here in Nakuru over the past year. Hello? Do you, well, you just the other one, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, we'll just switch back and forth. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. Um, but uh, we just want to thank you all for welcoming us into this community and uh, allowing us to be a part of it. And, and uh, last time that I spoke, I spoke really fast. So today, I <laughs> will... Take my time. And their time is up now. <laughs> well, so part of why uh, it's been very important for us to do this conversation is, you know, we, we, we are invited to participate in this. We are invited to pray for the sick. We're invited to join God in his mission. It's not just praying for the sick, yet that's one of it. And here is what, what we've been hoping to do is actually inspire faith. You would be surprised just how many people would sing about the things God does, but actually don't think God would do it for them. We'd be here singing, God, you're a healer, but so many people don't, don't actually expect God to heal. You'd be surprised as how many people uh, uh, think that all those things Jesus talks about belong in the book and on our lips on Sunday morning, but are, are, shouldn't be in our lives. And that's actually not true. So my hope has been we will inspire faith. Now, to be fair, uh, especially in, uh, in the global south, a lot more people are excited about healing, but there is a misconception that only a few people can pray for the sick. Now, there are people who, who ha um, have practiced praying for the sick more often. They, they, uh, for some reason, God uses them a lot more, but it is not for the chosen few. And so part of the journey has been hoping to um, uh, inspire all of you, lift your faith to, to a point of one, expectation. 
Let's now start living our lives with, wait a minute, what if God will do this? And then too, to a place of laying your hands on the sick. Uh, well, and so you both have been part of uh, our prayer team. So just so you know, guys, I sent them three questions and now we have like six. So let's see how well they are on their feet. Anyway, so you both have been part of our prayer team and just let's start from why, why do you even do that? Why do you love praying for people? Uh, yeah. Um, I think it was last week or a few weeks ago, one of the questions was up of encouraging us to pray more and like, why should we pray? And we were in our little groups of three and I had said to our group, like, I find it an honor to be able to pray for other people um, because I've, I've seen God's hand in prayer and I've seen, I've seen unanswered prayer, but answered in this like beautiful round way, which we'll get into. Um, but I've also seen him answer incredibly miraculous prayers. Um, so in 20, 2009, we were working, we were partnering with a children's home um, in our community that we lived in. And we got the phone call on July 14th, 2009, that one of our girls, seven years old, had passed away that afternoon. And it was our first loss um, that we had ever experienced in Kenya. Um, she was um, positive, but chickenpox had run rampant through the home, and it was a really bad case of chickenpox. And she came home from school and she said to the house mom, I just want potatoes and I'm going to go to sleep. I'm tired. And she went and lay down and never woke up. So we got that phone call. So we had arranged the funeral. The funeral we had on Saturday, we had a team from the U.S. here. Their first full day in Kenya was a funeral of one of our children. Um, and then Monday morning, Monday afternoon, we get a phone call that her younger brother is in the hospital. Um, he was positive as well, had got, got the chicken pox, and we were told he wasn't going to make it through the night. And this is like two days after we've buried his sister. And I got angry. And this was like, I was angry with God. And I went down to the bottom of our compound, and I had like a powwow with God. I was screaming. I was crying. I was on my knees. I was, you know, I was yelling at him like, you can't do this. Like, we can't go through this loss again. And, um, you know, I've, I've been told we shouldn't be angry with God. Like, he's God. We have no right to be angry with him. He is perfect. But I am a firm believer that God would rather us yell and express our emotions than walk away and not talk to him and, and exclude him from anything. He knows our hearts. He knows our thoughts. He knows what we're feeling and going through. So express them because the moment I expressed them, I felt peace. Like I felt better, you know, having had this powwow with God. And a little while later, a friend came over and she said, I believe you and I are supposed to go to the hospital and lay our hands on him and pray. So he was HIV positive, chicken pox, malaria, typhoid, and pneumonia. That's why they said he wasn't going to make it through the night. His body was just um, shutting down. 
So we went, it was 10 o'clock at night, and we were there for three and a half hours. Our team that was with us was on our compound, on their knees for those three hours, praying. And we just prayed and cried and sang and just spent those three and a half hours with our hands on this four-year-old boy. We came home not knowing what was going to happen, went to bed. Three days later, he was on our compound playing football with our team. The doctors had no idea how he survived. Um, he stayed with us for a few days, and then he went back to the children's home. He is now 18 years old, um, finishing up high school. He is like the most amazing kid, and he knows his miracle story, and he uses that as a testimony for people. Guys, prayer exists, man, and it, it's real. <laughs> Um, yeah. So that's why I'm passionate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a few things about the, the story of uh, the boy you told us. One, I just love that you didn't use a formula. You prayed as you could, which included a bit of screaming. Yeah. Right. So um, what about you, Sean? You're also part of our prayer team. Yeah. What What... Why do, you, why do you love doing this? <laughs> um, I think it's the understanding that prayer can make a difference in, in our lives. Um, it's a show of support for the people around us um, to let them know that, that we, we live in community and the only way that that we can walk together is by sharing our, our struggles and our, our pains and our illnesses and saying, this is what I'm going through. And by us praying for one another, we build that tightness, that, that bond in community that, um, that's so necessary. Um, and it's, it's not just a matter of, um, typically we say, oh, so-and-so is sick. I'm just going to, I'll pray for you. And then we and go walk about, away. we walk around through the grocery store and we forget that we said that we were going to pray for that person. Um, it, it's, a, it's a lifestyle. It's a, it's a way to just hold that person and, up to God and to be intentional about the relationship that we have with one another, whether we know each other well or whether we don't know each other well. We may have just met each other for the first time, but community is what's what's going to bring us together and community is what is all about is what the kingdom of God is all about yeah and I feel like the more we pray together the tighter the bond and relationship and community get and the harder it is for Satan to dig his claws in into the weaknesses around us and so well my experience has been you know there have been seasons I actually couldn't pray um and I would, I, I would describe, and in some of those seasons, I'd be in such a terrible place. I would only describe it as, you know, when, when, when God tells Cain, sin is crouching at your door, you better master. I'm, I'm, I'm just like in a bad place and I don't want God. I don't want people. And I get out on the other side of it and I find out that a couple of people are actually praying for me. You know, I, um, 
Well, I mean, it's been that kind of week. You were asking me how I'm doing. Um, and yesterday, some, someone texted me and said, I have just felt that I should pray for you. I've been kneeling down, and, and, it's, and they've been crying and interceding. I'm going, wow, thank you, because I cannot pray. And I feel every time I hear God say, just, uh, you know, meet me on your knees. Somebody else has been doing that for me. And as I come out on the other side, I'm going, I'm grateful that there is a, that God puts us in community to pray for each other. And I think we shouldn't be ashamed to say to our community, our friends, and say, I'm really struggling to pray. Can you pray for me? Yeah. There's no shame or weakness in that. I think that's a strength in, in showing that I trust you to be my intercessor when I need that. So one of the questions I didn't plan for, what has actively praying for people, both in the closet and laying their hands on them, at is there anything, let me not pre, is, has it impacted you in any way? Or whether God, uh, whether you saw what God was doing there or later, has it impacted you yourselves in any way? For sure it has. Um, my introduction to um, praying for people who were sick was through um, a man from Texas. He had come and visited our church in Canada. I mean, Texas is showing up a lot today. Yeah. Sir. <laughs> got representing with the hat. Um, uh, and so he came and he, he did some teaching about what it means to pray for people and how to do it. Um, and then he invited anybody that was interested to go up to another church that evening and he was going to do the same teaching at that church, and he wanted a team of people to uh, to 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 help him pray for for people who were sick. And so I was like, "Yeah, I'll let me go and give it a try." And uh, prayed for uh, I think he was eleven, uh, a boy in school who wanted to run cross country, but he couldn't run because his ankles hurt. So I prayed for him. First person that I ever prayed for. I said, how do you, you know, why don't you go and test, uh, test your ankles. Go out onto the street and run up and down, back and forth, and then come back and tell us how you're doing. Beginner's luck. Beginner's luck. <laughs> he, uh, he came back and said, yeah, my, my ankles don't hurt. And we were like, excellent, you know, praise God. And, and uh, so that really bolstered my faith to know that, it, like Edgar says, it's not somebody who's special that, that has the ability to pray for the sick. It's anybody has that ability. Um, and again, there's no formula. It's pray what you can, pray what you know, um, and, and go with that. Um, so, yeah, and I've seen, I've seen things happen when, when I've prayed for people, and I've gotten reports back um, from people that we've ministered to and prayed for... Um, prayed for forgiveness with one of our staff over uh, a family situation. Um, later that day, I, I, found out a, I found out a week after, after we went through some issues of forgiveness with this family member, my, our staff member came to us and said, hey, I just want you to know that while I was out working in the community, I got a phone call from my family member and said, I just want to apologize to you for the way that I treated you when you were a child. 
And the person said, it's okay. I already forgave you this morning for that. So uh, uh, he, he came back to just say, I just want to let you know that this is what, this is what, this is what happened is that because I forgave that person, they came to me afterwards not knowing what had taken place earlier in the morning and asked for forgiveness. So, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. Uh, when if, you, if you check out uh, a couple talks ago. <laughs> so, here, so Meredith found me last Sunday after, you know, got off stage. Uh, uh, David and Carolyn had just shared. And um, she said, I have a feeling you're about to ask us to share. I'm like, yes, <laughs> your feeling's correct. I've been meaning to a couple, for a couple of weeks. So, uh, Meredith, uh, you spoke uh, maybe seven weeks ago now, probably, right? And I had never, well, I just said, oh, that was very good, but I'd never really talked to you about it. <laughs> And because I knew I was about to ask her to speak again, I knew I had to, you know, get over that uh, hurdle fast. So I, I, I was, when I was traveling, I sent her a text. Before I ask you to do anything again, I need you to know what you did was very, very good. And part of what you shared was your own story of healing um, for memories and, and a lot of emotional hurt. Um, and we've been sharing as a community just different stories of healing, both in this, uh, as we gather together or, or out on the street. Some stories didn't even have happened before we met each other. And that's so good. Part, uh, there's something about sharing stories. We, we inspire faith. Gratitude brings multiplication. We are telling of the wonders of God. So don't stop telling people the good things God has done for you. That's part of what we've been doing. And at the same time, that's not the entire reason the two of you are here with me today. Um, healing does not always come, or at least not the one we prayed for, or at least not in the way we expect. Uh, and for, for, I think all of us have dealt with unanswered prayer, right, in one way or the other. And so it's personal for everyone. Uh, sadly, we don't, we don't sometimes say that from stage enough. We, and so the church lacks a good theology for suffering. We don't know how to suffer well. So not receiving healing is very personal to you. I was going to say, if you're willing, would you talk about it? And I'm like, well, you guys are already on stage. <laughs> um, so why don't you just invite us uh, into part of your own story with, with healing? So Sean and I have been married for nearly 15 years now. Um, and we got married at 32 and 35. So we were, you know, on the older stage. Uh, 32 is not old. So, um, but... Our plan was to just go right into having children because we were in our early to mid-30s. Um, and we had our family and friends back home had a poll going on of how long it would take for us to get pregnant um, and have our child. Well, one year went by, two years went by. 
um, and that wasn't happening. So we had, I mean, everybody back home praying for us. Every time we went back to our home church, they laid hands on us. Um, we had our small group back home. We had our expat community in our town here praying for us. It was a collective monthly weekly thing in our ladies group of praying for Sean and I to get pregnant. We had been to a fertility specialist here in Kenya, had all the tests done, nothing, they couldn't find anything wrong as to why. Um, I was on medication that was like not lovely um, and just nothing, nothing happened. Um, and every month was a very hard time, every single month. Um, and I was doing every possible, like, mid-month test to see if it was the time. And um, the, our doctor ended up just saying, like, you're causing way too much stress on yourself. Just let it go. And I, my, one of my favorite Bible verses is Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's always, and that was my verse. I'm going to delight in you, Lord, because you're going to give me the desire of my heart, which is a child. And our intention was always to have biological and adopted children. We just, that was always what we wanted to do. Um, and then in ladies' Bible study one day, we were listening to a Beth Moore series. And Beth Moore said, one of her favorite Bible verses is Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And the words that she said was, when we delight in the Lord, our desires of our heart become his desires. And that was like a light bulb for me. Because I was in this place of, if I love you, Lord, you're going to give me what I want. And that wasn't where I was supposed to be. And the more when I found that twist, I was like, all right, I'm going to delight in you no matter what the outcome is. Because I had moments of anger and sadness seeing women get pregnant by just looking at their husbands, seeing, you know, like <laughs> women getting pregnant, you know, like, and it was just, it was, it was very hard for me. Um, and we even had, and I, I think we're going to touch base on this of like how to help people in those stages, but we were being excluded from activities with kids or baby showers because nobody wanted to put us in a difficult situation. And, and it was like, let me be the judge of what's difficult for me or not. And so um, it was just a very, it was five, six years of just like really hard, hard times. Um, so for five, six years, you kept crying out to God to give you biological children. Us, I mean, there were... Hundreds many of people, people yeah. praying for us on a regular basis, yeah. It's just, so, and this is definitely comparing oranges to apples, but, you know, I'm just, so last Sunday, we just celebrated a couple that waited for nine years, and they had biological children, when the doctor said, no, it's not happening. Here we are saying, uh, doctor said, well, we can't find anything wrong, just don't stress yourself. But for five, six years, you prayed and prayed. And maybe my question to both of you, what, what was some of your thoughts as you, because I can, so five, six years, so the story of this boy's healing that you just told happened probably in that time? The first year. The first year. 
and um, and you've been praying for people and you know seeing God move uh, uh, to some degree. What what were some of your thoughts, both of you, as you see God uh, heal people, and as you deal with uh, this desire that has not been met? I mean, right before the shift changed for you, what were some of your thoughts? Um, I think I, I, for a long time, I felt it was my childhood and the decisions I made in my sin that, that held me from, that this was a punishment. Um, and that's what I was raised in. That was the type of church, you know, illness was, you know, it was all sin. There just wasn't any other reason for it. And so, um, you know, it was, did you speak ill about yourself? Did you, you know, all of these things. And I, so did I you went. jinx yourself? Exactly. That's what it was. Did you jinx yourself? And so it was having to go through all of these prayers because it was just like, if I have any unconfessed sin, if I've done something like, I mean, even my old pastor was like, what have you done that the Lord's doing this? And it was a lot of that um, pressure of, you know, what if I'm not the perfect Christian person that I'm yeah. supposed to be? I doubted myself. Yeah. I didn't necessarily, I did go through phases of doubting God, yeah. but I, I doubted myself in my faith. In God. So primarily you, you felt like it was a you problem. Um, just, uh, so just, just something that came to mind. I'm just imagining on the day, so here you are believing that God forgives us when we ask for forgiveness. On the day you ask for forgiveness and you feel, because we do this, it's a weird human thing. We go, oh, now I'm all good because we've asked for we forget what God has given us. So on the day you've asked for forgiveness, and so you quote unquote have a clean start. What did you feel about God when you still didn't have a child? Sorry, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. no. I, yeah. I did. I should have planned. No. <laughs> um, my faith. There were moments of wavering. Like yeah. I was very thankful for. Scripture where it says is you have faith of a mustard seed because that's what I felt like at times. I felt like, you know, and mustard seeds, if you've never seen them, are very, very tiny. And that's where I was at at yeah. some times. And it was, I had my angry moments and, you know, there would be months where it was like, oh my goodness, this is the month where, you know, I'm late, where we're, this is going to be it. And then it wouldn't happen. And it was like, it was mourning and grieving a loss all over again on a consistent basis. And so it wore on my faith at times, but then God would show us miracles and other little things of working, the kids we worked with or all of that. And so it, it, was, it, was, it was a roller coaster, yeah. Sean, what, a, what, what, what were your thoughts as you both are going through this? Um, I tried to be the eternal optimist. Don't worry. It's going to happen. And Meredith would say, how can you be so sure? I said, I, I don't. I trust that God is going to give us kids. I trust that God will give us kids and, and it's going to happen. Don't, don't worry. But then time would pass. We'd be another year older. Don't worry. God will give us kids. Don't worry. God will give us kids. I had a conversation with a friend of mine from back home. 
through one of our toughest times. And uh, he said, there's nothing more painful for a husband who's supposed to take care of his wife when there's nothing that he can do. There's nothing physically that I could do any different than what I was already doing. I felt like my hands were tied. I felt powerless. I felt hopeless. But all the while trusting that God is still good. But still not knowing where things are going to come from, but still trusting God is going to give us kids. And then my mind started to kind of, well, maybe maybe things aren't going to be biological that we get a kid or children, but we'll, we'll see what, I'm still trusting that God is going to give us kids and, and my mindset had to change, but I still was, still had that twinge of hope that something would happen biologically for us. Um, and and now you you, you um, your family. Uh, we were just celebrating Isaiah's ninth birthday. Nine, yeah. ninth birthday yesterday. Um, and right before we go to that, um, so I, I just want to note um, and uh, thank you so much for inviting us into it. I just want to note a couple a couple of. Unique changes. I remember when we were doing a series on, on spiritual warfare, we talked a lot about the lies from the enemy being the being the, his his primary weapons. So one of the lies uh, you let go of was the idea that uh, that God answering uh, giving us our desires looks like us getting exactly uh, whatever whatever we've asked for. Well, and the, the other side of that is, is for people to think, well, then God doesn't ever give us what we ask for. But, okay, sorry. I just, so one of the lies you let go of is God, make, you know, God is making your desires his and vice versa. But he also mentioned that at some, at some point it felt like it's because of you and that God is punishing you. Uh, did you ever rise above that lie uh, and... If you did, how or when? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely. Just the cable is a bit. Hello. Okay. I definitely realized, um, probably in seven years, six years later. Um, it took me a while. I, I had a lot of guilt. And if you had listened to my thing a couple months ago, um, I had a lot of negative things that were said to me growing up. And so I think that was where Satan really used those things, that I wasn't worthy of being a mom. I was, you know, I was going to be a terrible person. I was going to be just like my parents and all of these things. And so that was why I wasn't going to have children but there came a point where I think in hearing it enough, um, there's a song by Casting Crows called Praise You in the Storm. Uh, Highly Casting Crows? 
did I say crows? <laughs> crowns, sorry, casting crowns. And it's Praise You in the Storm. And that is like a song that I just, it hits me in all the feels because it just is so impactful in no matter what. And there was one particular time I was on my knees and I was just worshiping to that song. And I just heard the Lord say, you are far more worthy than you think. Like, you don't know how incredible you are in my eyes. And it was, that was the switch. That was the switch of like, all right, God, we're going to do whatever, whatever you want. Whatever you have planned, I'm, I'm done. And it was funny because when people, when I came to that place of, I'm, I'm not, we're not going to try anymore. We're just going to let life go and see what happens. And the stress was gone. But then you'd have people going, oh, you're not stressed anymore. That's when it's going to happen. And it was like, no, it's, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And we came to that place of just feeling confident in whether it was just us two or not for the rest of our lives. And then 2014 happened. And Yeah. Tell us about that. <laughs> the best thing. Um, so we were in home in Canada for our furlough. And Sean's grandmother was like in her late 80s at that time. And she came over to us with this gorgeous woven blanket. And she said, this is for your baby. We had no idea, nothing. And I burst into tears and I was like, thank you. Because I was thankful for it. But I was also like, don't put me down this dark hole again. That's what I was afraid of. And so um, we flew it back into Kenya on August 28th. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then I, yeah. So it's strange that it's Sean who remembers the <laughs> dates. It doesn't happen like that in most marriages. I know. So two days before we're flying out to come back to Kenya, friends of mine take me out and they hand me a card and it's a gift card to Babies R Us for me to go and spend money on baby stuff. And you don't have I've, a child yet. <laughs> no, we don't have a child or anything. And I'm like, you guys are killing me here. So, of course, I have spent years with a wish list and a registry on Babies R Us that I never gave up on. And every time we went on the mall, I'd walk into the mall. And so we walk, in, they go into the mall with me and I beeline for exactly all the things I know that I've wanted and come out with like 20,000 shillings worth of baby stuff. And we fly back to Kenya, and two days later, no, sorry, two weeks later, we get a phone call. We've been working with the children's department. We've decided that, you know, maybe we proceed with fostering to adopt. Two weeks later, out of the blue, we're thinking we'll start this in 2015 in the new year, when we're not in a rush. We get a phone call and says, there's this baby boy, and we totally believe he's meant to be yours. Come and get him. So we go and get all the paperwork. And then September 11th, the best gift was born. And eight days later, we got to pick him up and take him home. And our friends were at our home waiting for us with a camera. And I walked into the front With door. A camel? Pardon? Camel. A ca ca 
camera. Okay. Hey, you see? <laughs> hey, just so you know. <laughs> Edgar Thanks, hasn't got the uh, the cry translation downloaded into his brain yet. <laughs> I walk in the door and my friend says, how do you feel? And we're holding Isaiah and I just went, I'm a mom. And I burst into tears. <laughs> and our friends threw like the biggest baby shower. And um, it has been nine years of like the best experiences, um, you know, and I want the world to know, like, Isaiah is not a consolation prize. He is the perfect gift in God's perfect timing. And our family is so beyond complete. And I think if God had answered the prayers that I, we had had over those years, we wouldn't have him. And I can't imagine our life, our family, without Isaiah. He is the perfect addition. He is the completion to, to what we've always dreamed of. So God kept his promise. Absolutely. Um, I want to segue into something else. But right before I do, I just, you know, I keep saying, you know, sometimes God brings things up in the community because he wants to deal with them. And uh, right after this, we'll have some prayer time. And if the two of you, and just actually knowing that this is such a, a passion for Sean, if, if, I, I feel like for some of us, uh, as they were talking about lies they held on to, some of the ones you're holding on to came to mind. And maybe even very similar ones. You feel like things are not working out because God is punishing you. And that's a lie. And, and would love, love, love to pray for you. That's one of the things that's come up. Um, and yeah, uh, Sean, uh, Sean and Meredith will pray for you. And the second thing, I also want to, if you've come here and uh, are just uh, drowning under the weight of guilt, we'd love to pray for you and speak God's forgiveness over you. Uh, Sean and Meredith, um, <laughs> um, just... Because all of us deal with an answered prayer in one way or the other. And for, for six years, your prayer was unanswered. Um, six, did you get him on the sixth year? No, we, no, we got him on the fifth year. Fifth year. Right? Sorry, sixth year. Sixth year. Okay. What were, and you know, as... <laughs> you get older, you forget. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we are in community and people try so hard I just want, to, want both of you to talk about what were some helpful things that the community did around you what were some unhelpful things and uh, yeah and, and uh, finally uh, 
are there ways that you've, because God has a way of redeeming our stories. We give him the most broken of pieces and he has a way of creating beauty out of it. Are there ways you, th you think God has redeemed uh, part of that, sto uh, that story? Sorry. I think there's always this hidden, hidden thought that you can't love a child that isn't flesh and blood. And the reality is, is like we've all been adopted into God's family. You look at Joseph, you know, Mary comes to him and says, hey, by the way, I'm, I'm pregnant and the baby's not yours. But Joseph, like, you know, hesitant at first and questioning what's going on. But he welcomes Jesus. He becomes Jesus' father, you know. And I think I, I, I want the world to know that you can love someone so deeply, a child so deeply that, you know, we have this thing of, you didn't grow in my belly, but you grew in my heart. And if, I think children just deserve families. They deserve love. Um, one thing, you know, dealing with infertility, if you have friends, family, um, don't negate their emotions. Don't just go, ah, it'll happen someday, because it might not. Um, we were excluded from friends, kids' birthday parties and baby showers because they didn't want us to feel bad. But for us, it was, we felt bad not being invited and not being included. And so always invite them and give them the decision whether they're going to feel comfortable with it or not. Um, cry and mourn with a woman because reality is it could be a man, the man's issue. It could be a woman's issue. It could be just that's not the plan. But we as women take up so much of that burden um, because we feel like it's our bodies that are um, going against us, our bodies that are fighting us. And so not putting the pressure on a woman, not telling her, like, what are you doing wrong? You should do this. You should do that. Um, I think just coming alongside of people and loving them and accepting them and including them, um, crying with them and praying for them and praying for an answered prayer or an answered prayer, but in a different way. One thing um, I was taught about um, with regards to to prophesying over people. We don't prophesy dates, mates, or babies. We had people come to us after we were married. This time next year, you're going to have a baby. Two out of three strikes. <laughs> this time next year, a date, and you're going to have a baby. We don't we don't know. Would it be nice for us to say this time next year you're going to have a baby and the, the couple get pregnant? Absolutely. That would be fantastic. But walk alongside the person. And in, it's almost like we have this mindset in our, in our Christian brains that says, okay, you're dating somebody. When are you going to get married? Okay, now that you're married, when are you going to have kids? Now that you've had the first kid, when are you going to have the second kid? We need to stop putting that kind of pressure on, on people 
and and just walk through life with them and and pray pray for them and let let nature take its course and and as we've said just be there to support people um wire there we go um and i think just just being there and just being able to walk alongside people in your community and just lift people up hold them up and just be supportive and don't as we said don't don't pressure people yeah church culture can have uh, can have a, a very unhealthy pressure yeah. especially around what we think family and and just life in general should look like um so well, next Sunday we will explore. Uh, why don't we just give uh, a hearty clap for Sean and Meredith? And and we will explore the uh, 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 the theology. How how can we approach a better biblical uh, thinking around? Um, an answered prayer uh, next weekend, uh, uh, and but here are are a few things I just leave with you. Uh, one, keep praying. Keep praying, unless you've heard God say, "That's it," or unless the person being prayed for has. You know, like they got to a place like, well, maybe this isn't the way we're invited to have a family. Um, two, this is spiritual warfare. The whole thing about... Uh, 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 my caution is against giving cheap, easy explanations. Like, well, this didn't happen because you're in sin. Well, this didn't happen because X, Y, and Z. Just don't avoid give, giving cheap, easy explanations for unanswered prayer. It's God's world is very complicated, yet his love is immense. So just stay away from that. Um, and, and part of the encouragement is because the Spirit of God is with us, a lot of what the Spirit of God is doing is grieving because His people are hurting. His children are hurting. Every person you pray for, part of my encouragement in the last couple of weeks has been, we people, human beings are not prayer items. They are God's children. They're not prayer items. They're God's children. So uh, be careful how you handle them. And so let's, let's do it with a lot of compassion. If you're battling unanswered prayer, if you're in a place where your prayers have not been answered, grieve. Grieve. The Father is grieving with you. The Father is grieving with you. And then, joy in the Lord. It's just this... I think our, our journey as believers is this interesting place of tension where sometimes, and a lot of times to be honest, joy and grief sit side by side. But most importantly, at least for today, surrender. I'm amazed how much as I, as I, as I keep following Jesus, uh, I am realizing that, that there's a lot 
There's a, there are a lot of ways in which this journey is about surrender. This journey is about surrender. We, we don't gloss over things. We don't say, well, you, you, you wanted to receive healing for, for diabetes, but look, God gave you a car. We don't know. We say, well, we don't gloss over things. We don't force things. We don't tell people, well, why, why don't you run, <laughs> you know, and, and then claim a healing that hasn't happened. We surrender. We surrender and live in the tension of the kingdom and receive the gifts of God with fullness of joy. So why don't we stand as the band comes up. Um, So if our prayer teams can come up front, 